Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off hour number three of the show here on Raider Nation Radio 920. It is Unnecessary Roughness. And joining us on the phone lines is one of our favorite guys to talk to. And we're bringing him back every Tuesday and Thursday at this time. And that's the great Lincoln Kennedy. And Lincoln, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. How was the first run being in the booth with Jason Horowitz? You guys did the Hall of Fame game. How did that go for you guys? Well, first of all, it's good to be with you, and, uh, and I always appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, for our first run, our, our preseason, uh, working together, uh, it, uh, it, it went pretty well, I thought. It was, uh, it, Jason was very insightful, smart. He had great energy, and, and I thought we had a great call. I did, too. Uh, I didn't get to hear everything, but from what I was able to hear, I thought it was really good as well. How, how crazy was that, your first run at it, and then you have a weather delay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, nothing surprises me this day, these days in the league. And I was telling Jason about it. There was a, a couple years ago, we had a 90-minute rain delay when we were in Minnesota. Uh, and they were, while they were building their stadium, we were playing at uh, the Gopher Stadium. And we had a 90-minute rain delay, and it was kind of awkward. So I've been caught on the sidelines, been down there waiting to go back out there, just eagerly twisting my thumbs, you know, playing my thumbs or um, uh, in times when there's been delays. But nothing surprises me. Hell, we even had a weather delay at Allegiant last year, wasn't it? Didn't we? You know, in uh, SoFi. Yeah, exactly. So far, yeah, too. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, you, you never know how it's going to shake out. I'll tell you, Lincoln, as I was sitting in the press box, I thought for a minute there that there wasn't going to be a kickoff. I thought we were going to have to come back on Friday. Oh, no, no, no. You know, the NFL, when, when it comes to TV deals, you'll, you'll play the game. It might, <laughs> might be a while, but you're going to play the game. It's just too much money. You're not going to mess that up. Right, well, they got the game in, no doubt about it. Again, we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And I thought your guys' interview with Mark Davis, we actually played it back on a, on a Cliff Branch uh, Hall of Fame special that we did Saturday morning. I thought that interview with Mark Davis was fantastic. How, how did you think that that went with MD and how much he just, you know how much he loved Cliff Branch? Yeah, you know, I've had a chance to talk with Mark a lot of times, you know, and, and of course we, we had a lot of heartfelt conversations about when uh, about the passing of Cliff, but it was so long overdue, and I could just see in Mark's eyes and feeling his energy that you know he was so happy for his friend to finally get the the you know get his say, get his due, what, what's long overdue, well deserved, and and more importantly, you know, Mark has done a great job of continuing the legacy that his father started with the Raiders and putting him at the top, and now there's, there's well-regarded. You know, when you can go to the NFL and say, hey, we want to play in the Hall of Fame game. And, yeah. hey, you know, we now have a coach who's, you know, from Ken who only lost one game on that high school field during his entire high school career, the little tidbits. Those were little things that you didn't get. You, I mean, we didn't get in any other broadcasts. So, you know, the fact that we were able to get the general manager, Dave Zeller on, as well as Mark Davis on, I really think added to the overall, uh, you know, production and performance of that, that evening because it really it was really a kickoff of something special that entire weekend. Speaking of the head coach that, that played there and only lost one game there at, at a Tom Benson Stadium, how about that first play call where he dialed it up as a, as a tip of the cap to Cliff Branch, even though it didn't end up being the way it was supposed to, it didn't shake out the way he had planned it, but it was still a tip of the cap to Cliff Branch. 
No doubt about it. That long pass, when I first saw it, saw it go up, it looked like a wounded duck. I thought it was like, oh, my goodness, this is going to start the game with an interception. <laughs> and then, they, you know, come down with a long completion and just set, you know, set the, the, the pace for the evening. But overall, when you look at this Raiders team, I know it's preseason, and I know there weren't a lot of starters on both sides of the ball. Uh, but at the same point, I always thought a win is a win is a win. And wins build confidence. It doesn't matter if it comes in preseason. It doesn't matter if it comes by one point or 31 points. Wins build confidence. All in all, I thought it was a great outing for the for the Raiders. Even though they didn't play out of starters, it was the fact that there weren't a whole lot of mistakes until the second half, which is what you typically expect in, uh, in, uh, in, in preseason games. Pretty, pretty much clean, and at least the people that we are going to see in the regular season Sundays, I thought, have some good outings as well. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And, Lincoln, that's something that we've been really emphasizing is the fact that Josh McDaniels and this regime, they're dotting the I's, they're crossing the T's, they're, they're teaching not to lose as opposed to even coaching to win right now because, as he said, you have to learn how not to lose before you can learn to win. I think we saw that on Thursday. And I agree. And, I, and I'm one of those people that say in order to learn how to play football, you have to play football. You can't make the club in the tub. I did not like the fact, I certainly respected it and had, had no say in it, but I did not like the fact over the last you know, coaching staff didn't play their starters in preseason. I thought they were hurting them more than they were helping them. And, you know, you look, you look around the league and people sit there and make the arguments about, you know, what about, you know, the possibility of injuries um, uh, and, you know, season-ending injuries. Well, over the last, this past week, when, mo- when all the teams have been in training camp, as a matter of fact, I've seen some season-ending injuries coming out of practice. So what right. are you going to stop practicing? You know, you cannot coddle these guys. You've got to let them go out there. Now, there's going to be injuries that happen. It's just unfortunate. It's not something anybody wishes or thinks about or wants to have happen. But, you know, you can't. I tell my kids, because all my kids play football, you can't play this game lightly. If you don't want to do it, don't go out there and do it. But you cannot take it lightly, and you can't just take it for granted that you're going to be able to walk on the field and, and be able to play the game at a high level. It doesn't work that way. I love it. You can't make the club in the tub. That's 100% facts right there given to us by Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So with that being said, I'm sure you had no issue with Josh Jacobs starting that game on Thursday. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And more, more importantly, if I was Josh Jacobs and I had the opportunity, I would ask Coach to play. This is a very pivotal year in this young man's career. I know how much he enjoys being a Raider, and he wants to remain a Raider. And he can send mixed signals when a team doesn't pick up your fifth-year um, fifth option as a first-round draft choice. But at the same point, if I'm Josh Jacobs, I remember my career up to this point. It wasn't until last year that he was able to pretty much go through the entire year and play. The two previous years before that, he ended, you know, most of his, uh, his uh, seasons were riddled with injuries. And so it became running back by committee. So if I'm Josh Jacobs, I want to prove that I grasp this offense. I can be good in this offense, which throws a lot of balls to the back, out of the backfield, which is something that Josh Jacobs has worked on in his career and has gotten better for it. So he's trying to prove himself a valuable part of this team. I have absolutely no problem with him going out there and playing that game. Lincoln, you mentioned throwing the ball to the backs out of the backfield. We saw a lot of screen passes, and we've seen a lot of screen passes in practice, so it was no surprise that they were able to execute that on a high level. How nice and refreshing was that to see that that's part of Josh McDaniels and his offensive game plan? Well, look, I know this about the, the, what he did in New England, and they made use, very high use of the tight end, the slot receiver, as well as back side of the backfield, and they like to run the ball which is what, I mean, that's my type of football. I love that. I can't have, I don't have a problem with that. But the, the, the thing is, is that there are, there, there are a lot of things that are conducive to the players that, that they already have on the team. 
and you have a quarterback like Derek Carr who can just make that happen even more, and you have that added caveat of having an outside receiver, Devontae Adams. If you go back to the Patriots, even when the Patriots had Randy Moss, look, Wes Welker, I think, led the team that year as a slot receiver yep. in receptions. So it's one of those things where you have options and opportunities. And one of the things I know about Coach McDaniel, Josh McDaniel, getting the, uh, getting the job was that, one, he had a plan for Derek Carr. And two, he had an ideology that what parts he had on this offense he can utilize and make the best out of. And, you know, to add that added caveat, giving Lester Cotton an opportunity on starting on the offensive line, um, you, you know, you have John Simpson in the other guard. If Alex Leatherwood is able to hold his weight, he held his own uh, um, during the preseason game. If he continues to blossom or they continue to keep schemes that can help help him, slid uh, protections a lot of times to protect his inside, I think we're going to be all right. You know, Lester Cotton was a guy that got a lot of uh, attention, a lot of conversation leading into that game. What did you think of the overall performance by the young man? I thought it was solid. I thought it was solid. See, the, the thing, Q, it's hard to gauge when you're, you're watching preseason games. I've been with coaching staffs that have gone in preseason games that have been totally vanilla, called basic plays on offense, basic defenses and stuff like that. And I've also been around guys who what we call brother-in-law. You go up to the game, hey, man, let me just try and get through this game. Me too, man. Let's just get, try to get through this game, make it look good. And then you hear a lot of grunting, and you think that they're playing hard, and they're really not. But, so you, but you never know what you're going to get in these preseason games. But I think overall what you want to look for as a coach you want to know, you want to, you, you want to see a guy that's lined up in the right place. They know what they're supposed to do and they execute at, at a decent speed. Now it's not going to be, it's not going to be full speed. It's not going to be, you know, regular Sunday game, regular season game speed. That doesn't happen in preseason, but at least they're going out there and showing effort. And more importantly, you want to see enthusiasm in the guy's eyes. They get it. They're having fun. And when they have fun, it's a lot easier. It's more of a game than it is a business. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Uh, as far as the other offensive linemen, how about the rookie Dylan Parham? He played all three inside uh, offensive line positions on Thursday. That was his first NFL game. How difficult is that to do? Well, I mean, I think the young man was, like, we're talking about excited, excited to showcase his stuff. The thing is, is that most teams only hold on to eight offensive linemen. And then if you have a guy that you want to develop, you might put him down as development, development squad or try to hide from other teams. But, you know, Dylan went out there and showcased his value, his worth, and wanting to make the case that he can be maybe that alternate, uh, that swing, you know, offensive guard, swing center. Like you said, he played all three positions. Mm-hmm. So he, he can be that swing guy, which adds value. Because if you're only taking eight offensive linemen on the active roster in, into the regular season, you've got your starting five and you've got your three backups. Sometimes coaches want to play around with that, like maybe start an extra tight end uh, and, and sit down an extra offensive lineman. Then if you're Dylan Parham, you're in that conversation because now you become part of the top five, I mean top six, top seven. Unfortunately, we saw uh, Brandon Parker. He got, well, one, he was playing yeah. left tackle, didn't look too good, but he also got a little banged up. We haven't seen him at practice. I don't know if he's going to miss a large, extensive amount of time, but if he does, how major is that for the depth, uh, a hit of the depth on the offensive line? Well, well, I will say this, I, and, and the, the reports, I wasn't there at, at practice, but the reports I got is that it's a torn tricep, and he's likely out for the season. I tore my tricep. I know it's how hard it is to rehab. I don't know the severity, if he has to have surgery or whatever, but I'm right. speculating. This is just what I heard. So, anyways, I will say this. Um, it, it's really important to have a good swing tackle. It really is. Um, you know, Brandon, to me, it's disappointing because, you know, I've been here since – I've been with the team since Brandon got drafted, and – I know North Carolina A&T is not 
what you say, top-tier talent. But I thought Brandon was would have has the potential. He's a physical specimen, has all the 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 the, uh, the doings to be good. Just never translated to on the field and took the next level. And and at least he could be like a swing tackle or an alternate and maybe win a job. But you know, it's mishaps, it's it's injuries that have continued to bug him. And I don't, you know, I, I feel bad for the young man. I never want right. to wish ill upon anybody, but I feel bad for the young man because I just don't know if there's a future in this game for him. Yeah, it's going to be tough, you know, and, and again, I've seen those reports as well. Nothing has been, you know, confirmed by the team on confirmed, our end, yeah. so, yeah. you know, yeah. just kind of wait and see. But well, Believe me, it's not going to be. It's not going to be. No one's going to confirm it. You understand, the, the way the Raiders are going to do everything, they're, they're going to keep it as closed mouth as they possibly can for as long as they can. Right. No, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So do you think going outside of the organization, having to find somebody on the free agent market, waiver wire, what do you think they need to do? Well, I mean, you could take and take a look and see who gets released, but you know, your best bet is probably trying to see if, if Jermaine Illuminor can do left yeah. tackle and right tackle as well. I mean, they need, there are ways for you to protect the tackles, and these ways are not necessarily alien to, to Josh McDaniel. Right. It's definitely a part of their scheme because they can use a lot of twelve, which is two tight ends, or thirteen, three tight end personnel. That way, you can you can hide your tackles. But you got to be able to scheme where you, where you got to be able to get rid of the ball, and more importantly, you got to be able to uh, uh, be able to. Uh, everyone else has to hold their point up, if you know what I mean. If you're trying to cover up for maybe a disadvantaged offensive lineman. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, talking all things silver and black. And on the defensive side of things, Nate Hobbs got the start. He was on the outside. He played a couple series. Lincoln, Nate's been getting a lot of buzz and a lot of burn in training camp going up against Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, and he's looked really good. What are your thoughts on Nate? How, how big of a leap can he take in year two? I've always believed if you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best. So you want to take on the best. And if, if it's just talking about practice – if, if I'm an offensive tackle, I want to take on your best defensive end and best outside linebacker. I'm going to showcase my ability. Uh, and especially what Nate Hobbs was able to achieve last year, but coming in, stepping in and doing such a great job, and now he's building on that. He's building and showing off his versatility. Commend the coaching staff for not only giving him a chance to showcase himself, but more importantly, commend Nate Hobbs for going out there and doing the damn thing. I think he can really be a force in this defense. Uh, and, and look, you know, it, it's it's – you can't keep everyone all the time. So when you have somebody of the way Casey Hayward played last year and you're not able to keep him, sure, you can go out there and try to make a big deal about trying to sign somebody, but everybody every now and then starts to fade. Even look at the great Jalen Ramsey. He's no longer ranked the top corner in the National Football League. So everyone now and then people are going to fade. But more importantly, you want some guy to step up, maybe come out of the shadows, maybe come out of the woodwork, put his name and, and make it, make a stake for his name and really showcase his talent. And I think Nate is doing that. How much do you think Casey Hayward helped in the development of Nate Hobbs? A lot. Because what, what, what you do is when you have a pro that's in front of you and a pro that's been a part of a defense or been a part of a system and, and is able to utilize and make, make it theirs, that shows you how you can develop into a better player. You don't always have to look at the X and O's. Sometimes it's just about the feel and it's the way you feel the game. And that feel is something you can't coach, Q. It has to be developed. It has to be desired by the player. And more importantly, it has to be developed by the coaching and the scheme and understanding the scheme and making it more comfortable for yourself. 
Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy, talking all things Raiders here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. The Raiders have four preseason games because of that Hall of Fame game. Obviously, they have a new regime, new coaching staff. How much do you think that that can help these guys just, if nothing else, get the, the everyday, the game day you know, regime and kind of uh, uh, the, the, the lay of the land, the, the routine down for a game day? Well, I, I, I've always thought, you know, back in when I played, we had four preseason games, and it was a normal sort of uh, way to do it where you go out the first game, you play you play the most, and then as the game's going through the preseason, you play less and less until you get to the last game, and you're really not playing as you get ready for the preseason, I mean the regular season. But I've always thought that, you know, these types of games can, can build up calluses and make you understand the system a whole lot better rather than trying to learn it from the sideline or with a clipboard in your hand. So, um, I, I applaud the coaching staff and the way they, they've done it. And then, as far as I can see from the Hall of Fame game, they pretty much came out healthy, which yeah. is always a good thing. That's, that's, that's what you want. So, and you want a good performance. And I think you had a solid performance, not only from the guys that started, but, you know, for the most part, you had some good st- uh, uh, individual standoff performances from guys that are, that have no backups and they're fighting for jobs. So, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of positives to take out of the Hall of Fame game. And I'm happy for the team because it really, they really had a good time out. Yeah, I was pretty impressed from what I saw. I mean, I really was. Uh, the first game out, new regime, new coaching staff, you're trying to work out the kinks, and it seemed like they were right where they needed to be, you know, that they were maybe even a little bit ahead. I don't want to give them too much credit, but maybe a little bit ahead, but they looked like they were doing what they were supposed to do. What did you think of the backup quarterback uh, position and Jarrett Stidham, what he was able to do? Well, you know, I know this because Derek has always been what, what I call a, sort of a, a practice hogger, where he'll take a bulk of the reps for, for you know from the ones in the starting offense when it's an offensive period, um, and it's hard for you know other people, other quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks to get to get a, a, a chance to showcase their talent. But when you have this instance, just like you did last year with Peterman playing the, the preseason, you know this is a chance for you, these young quarterbacks, whether it's Mullins or Stidham, to put their you know sort of stamp and showcase what they can do because it's hard to these days to develop a player. It's really hard to develop a player because they need full-time reps, and quarterback is one of those positions that need as many reps as they can possibly see. So I was I was pretty pleased with the performance of Stidham. I thought Nick, you know, when that fumble snap, obviously it was unfortunate it happened, but he was able to get it back. Little little, little miscues looked a little bit more nervous than Stidham did, but you know, more importantly, I was I thought that the quarterbacks handled themselves pretty well in the situation as far as being a leader, both in the huddle and on the executing on the offense. Yeah, again, for a first preseason game and the Hall of Fame game at that, I thought it was a, a pretty good performance all around by the team. And, Lincoln, before I let you go, uh, this upcoming Sunday, you and Jason Horowitz are going to be in Allegiant Stadium for the first time together. How pumped up are you for this experience on Sunday? Well, you know, Q, I'm, I'm a little bit of an older guy, so I'm, I'm that bull that's going to walk down the hill. I don't run. I don't sprint for nobody. I'm going to walk down the hill, take my time, and get to where I need to be, okay? I'm that, I'm that older bull, okay, Q? So um, you talk about we're talking Tuesday, the game's on Sunday. Slow it down, bro. I'm getting there. By the time we get to Saturday, I'll be pumped up, ready to go. But I'm not there yet. I heard that. I'm not mad at you, man. Hey, take your time. You've earned it, right? But you're going to be there. That's what I said. That's exactly right. I'm going to be there. I'm going to walk down the hill and get all them cows. I ain't running now for nothing. There you go. You run down there, you're going to scare them all away. Exactly. <laughs> well, Lincoln, hey, thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you a couple times a week throughout the course of the preseason and the regular season, get all that knowledge from you, and we'll talk again on Thursday.
I got you, bro. You got it. I appreciate you having me, and I'll see you next time. I'll see you soon, all right? <laughs> all right. Appreciate you. There he goes, the great Lincoln Kennedy right there. He is going to be on the, the call with uh, Jason Horowitz. He's uh, the play-by-play, color commentary, it's co- combination right there. And you see what he said, Jared. He's going to take his time, man. He ain't sprinting for nobody. He's going to walk down the hill and get all the bulls instead of try to run down them and scare all them away. I, I love any time someone who used to play like a professional sports like, yeah, no, I'm not running. Like you don't <laughs> understand. I used to get paid to do that. I'm right. not doing it. No it doubt. Just always, it, literally, it's a good way to get me to smile. Well, I, I'm not mad at that at all. That's that's a great way. He said, hey, we're only on Tuesday. Uh, you know, once I get to Saturday, I'll get a little bit more pumped up. So there you go. The great Lincoln Kennedy. You can enjoy hearing him each and every Tuesday and Thursday here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. 420 is the time. We'll come back with your calls and texts. Uh, plus, we got Jason Simmons, the secondary uh, coach for the Raiders. You'll hear him about 430. He had a media session earlier today, and I want you to hear that as well. So we got a lot to get to in a short amount of time. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Ooh, music soul child, just friends. There we go. All right now, so everybody here is invited. You know what I'm saying? Y'all bring the cameras, y'all bring whatever y'all need. We working on a date. Um, it was supposed to. It was supposed to be the end of October, but I think we're gonna push it back to sometime in like early December. So y'all, y'all got the invite right now. All right, so I'm letting y'all know right now. Raider safety Deron Harmon right there talking about that was his go-to karaoke song. He was talking about in reference to music soul child. Just friends. So uh, very good job right there, Jared, in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. We definitely appreciate you. And Jerron Harmon, uh, I would play his media session, but it's like 13 minutes. It's all, But it's all good. It, it is. is. It's all good. It really is. It's really all good. He's got a wealth of knowledge. He talks about the secondary. He talks about the, the young guys that are trying to grow. Uh, played a soundbite from Nate Hobbs earlier or from him on Nate Hobbs earlier. And just a lot that uh, was really good about – what Jerron Harmon had to say. So I do encourage you, not right now, because, well, the show's going on. I'm selfish. Uh, after the show, <laughs> feel free to go back and listen on Raiders.com or uh, check us out at LVSportsNetwork.com. Usually we have all that stuff uh, posted up there as well. But like I said, Raiders.com, you can always find it and uh, listen to it if you miss Raiders safety, Jerron Harmon. I'll say the one thing about him that excites me is uh, a lot of folks during the offseason wanted the, the Raiders to go out and get a big-time safety. A lot of people were talking about the Honey Badger, someone that can help create turnovers. Well, I'll tell you right now, if you go and look at the numbers for Jerron Harmon over the course of his career, you know what he's done? He's created a bunch of turnovers. Somehow – the ball finds him. Jason Simmons said that, and that's the secondary coach. He said that earlier. Just somehow he's like a ball magnet. It just happens to find him. And the one thing I know about guys that can create turnovers, uh, Phil Snow said this to us, and Phil Snow is now the defensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers, but at this time he was the defensive coordinator of the Baylor Bears, and they were participating in the Sugar Bowl in uh, New Orleans going up against Georgia, a game that they obviously eventually lost. But Phil Snow told us, and I really don't even know how he got to this conversation, but he said – The thing about guys that create turnovers is either they got it or they don't. If you were in high school and you created turnovers, most likely you probably went to college and created turnovers. If you created turnovers in college, you probably went to the pros and created turnovers in in, in the pros. You're not a guy that if you're in high school and you didn't create turnovers, you probably didn't go to college and all of a sudden excel at creating turnovers. And if you didn't do it in college, most likely – you're not going to do it in the league. It's just it's like habit forming. It's something that you instinctively do. You look for turnovers. The ball finds you. you and you look, he's had times. And now that I've been going on this thing about Deron Harmon, hell, we might play his sound, his his media session, um, even though it's pretty lengthy. But 
um, he 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 went in this this uh, you know detailed answer about telling guys, hey, we're in this coverage. If this play is drawn up or this this ball is thrown in this direction, I might not be able to get there and actually come up with the ball. But I'm going for the tip drill, and you can go ahead and create it. Like I mean, to give that kind of knowledge to say this is the kind of coverage we're in. This is what we could expect to happen. Make sure you're alert. That's veteran teaching right there. That's not veteran coaching. That's veteran teaching. There's a difference. We talk about the Raiders and the lack of turnovers they created. Their secondary created six last season. Six. There's teams that have had four or five interceptions in a game. They created six all year long. I have a good feeling they're going to create a lot more turnovers than six. I don't want to put a number on it right now. I really don't, but I feel like from what I see at training camp, from what I hear from guys that expect to get the ball, like a Jerron Harmon, what did Charles Woodson used to say? See ball, get ball. That's what he used to say, right? Not saying he's Charles Woodson, but that's what those kind of guys expect. See ball, get ball. What I've been seeing in training camp is I've been seeing guys that even if they give up the catch, they're going for the ball. They're punching it out. And they're not only doing that in – it's like 7-on-7 seven seven or 11-on-11. Eleven eleven. They're doing that in individual drills. Like that's drills that they're going through is punching the ball out, going for the strip, how to knock it out once the ball hits the, the wide receiver's hands. They're going through all this teaching, which is going to allow them to be coached up during the game, and it will be something that they'll – it's just instinct. You know, it's not, it's not oh, i got to think about what did coach tell me to do. No, it's just because you, you've been repetition, repetition, repetition so much that you're, it's, just, it's just a natural instinct. Your natural instinct is kind of like, <laughs> and anybody that's my age, around 45, will appreciate this. But I don't know about you, but uh, even to this day, if someone like, like especially a woman, waves like raises their hand real high, I get a little nervous. Like my mom used to, you know, she used to go like, oh, okay. like to go to go to hit me when I did something wrong. She popped me right. Well, I'd flinch. <laughs> so now if I see someone, you know, I'd be like, just kind of. Kind of raised their hand real fast. I kind of flinched because that natural instinct is, oh, well, hold on, what's coming? I didn't do it. But, you know, it's, <laughs> probably, a bad ex- it's probably a bad example. But you understand what I'm saying. Like, it's a natural instinct. You know, protect yourself at all times. But that's just, it's just kind of what it is, you know. Uh, I know that we, we don't punish kids like that anymore. But, you know. I mean, we don't advertise that we punish kids anymore. <laughs> like, don't get me in no trouble, Jared. Come on, okay, man. All right, fair all enough. My, all, all my kids are grown, man. You're going to have them calling someone on me, calling the laws on me or something, man. They're all grown, so they're they're out the house now. So I can't can't get in any kind of trouble like that. 4.30 is the time. Let's go out to the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Raider Dave in Denver. What's on your mind, brother? Hey there, Super Q. Grab your pen. I got four quick questions for you. Okay. Uh, one, what was your biggest surprise takeaway that we haven't heard about so far on Raider Nation Radio? of your weekend at Hall of Fame. I mean, we all know about, you know, uh, Diana Ross, different things, but maybe there's some golden nugget that you haven't expressed yet. Question two would be, uh, I watched it on ESPN. I figured it'd be on ESPN radio. I tried streaming it at your sister station. It wasn't on, so why? And three, uh, Johnson, Hollis, where do they sort of fit? What kind of things are I would guess that Johnson would be like the backup slot and Hollis might be the true number three. Uh, but anyway, and then number four, uh, what ends up happening with the uh, with the group that is the punt uh, team uh, this week in practice? Have they really gotten their uh, their uh, their keisters cooked for that nearly uh, big screw up? I mean, they got saved by a penalty. Thanks. Right. Hey, Hang great. On. Great call, man, and uh, lots of stuff right there. And uh, yeah, four good, uh, four good questions. And I'll have to hit you with 
four good answers, and we'll start with the uh, we'll start with the actual play on the field. We'll talk about the punt team. Uh, that was something Josh McDaniels talked about on uh, on Monday when he met with us. You know, because we did talk about that. Like, hey, uh, they did get that called back because it was a it was a bad holding penalty. But you know that that can't happen. You know, that's 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 a concern. And so uh, he said that that's something that they're addressing because that like like we all said can't happen as well. Uh, that that was just too easy. That punt return touchdown. Uh, that's that's one of those. That's that's shooting yourself in the foot. You can't be giving those up. So yeah, the, I, I don't know uh, what the point of emphasis was as far as what they did in practice. You know because of that. But yeah, they definitely uh, they they saw that, pointed it out, looked at it on film, and. Uh, yeah, they, they got with the folks that, that handle that, that area of the team in order to make sure that that doesn't happen. But that's a good observation because, yeah, that was one bad takeaway from the Hall of Fame game, even though, like you mentioned, it didn't count because of a penalty. It very well could have. Uh, as far as the third wide receiver or, uh, you know, Tyron Johnson, a.k.a. T. Billy and Mac Hollins and Demarcus uh, Robinson and uh, you got Keelan Cole. I mean, look. There's four guys right there. I think Mac Hollins. I think he makes the job, uh, the, the the squad just based off his special teams ability alone. That's not all his only skill set though. He can also he's got a big body. Uh, he's got some speed and some hands. He can go and make some catches in the red zone. So I think that Mac Hollins makes the team. The other guys is who I have the questions about. Uh, Tyron Johnson, T. Billy. He's a guy that I believe is a fan favorite. Uh, everyone's talking highly about T. Billy, but. And I don't mean to sound disrespectful, but what I saw from him on Thursday night was inconsistency. And he was a guy that could make a tough catch and then also drop a tough catch. You know, and if you, you've got to be out there and be consistent. And this team, and I want to say that this is probably about the second, third year at least, where they actually have a lot of talent in camp right now. There's going to be somebody that's going to be cut, or there's going to be multiple guys that are going to be cut from this squad that are going to get picked up by other teams. I, I promise you that. And when you have options between T. Billy – Demarcus Robinson and Keelan Cole, you have guys that can get it done. I like Demarcus Robinson as far as his consistency goes because he's already used to the role that he's probably going to be playing here in Las Vegas if he makes the team. And that was what he did in Kansas City, right? He wasn't Tyreek Hill. He wasn't Travis Kelsey. Hell, he wasn't even McCole Hardman. But what he was is a guy that when he got the opportunity to get the ball thrown his way, he made the most of it. He might only get three targets a game. Hell, he might get three targets in three games. I don't know. But you know what he did? He caught the damn ball. He made the catch. He did what he was supposed to do. T. Billy got open deep. He's got speed. He killed it. He beat his de the, the defensive back easily. And what did he do? Put it on the ground. You know, he had another ball come his way. What did he do? Put it on the ground. Now, he made a couple tough catches, but uh, me and DeMond talk about consistency and always being a certain, a certain number, a certain level. Like, yeah, he could be a 10 one day, and then the very next game is a 3. Well, that's not what this coaching staff wants. If you're not going to be a 10 all the time, and I don't think very many are, I mean, 10 all the times are Devontae Adams. T-Belly, I don't expect him to be a 10 all the time. But you know what? You better be a damn good 6 or a damn good 7, at least a consistent 6 or a 7. You know, you can make a couple good plays here and there, but then all of a sudden you put a couple on the ground and that's all bad. So uh, I just think that that's a, a wide-open competition. I do think that – that those three guys are still battling it out, and, and preseason is going to be important for them. I'll tell you what, they all look good in, in training camp. In practice, all three of them, they're putting in work. Now they've got to do it with the lights on, even though it's preseason. They still got to go out there and do it with the lights on. And why the, the Hall of Fame thing wasn't streamed, well, I'll just tell you, we're having a few issues on our sister station. Jared, you could tell us better about that. Without, I, without going into great detail, it's just it's kind of a cluster right now. 
Yeah, we're having we're having a few technical difficulties, but we're doing our best. And I will say that the Q Hall of Fame special ran multiple times over the weekend because I was the one who made sure that it did. <laughs> so Right. So if you were listening to ESPN Las Vegas over the weekend, there was a good chance you would hear Q and do doing a Hall of Fame special. So we made sure that we got that uh, we got that on the air at the very least. The the basic, I mean, just the kind of the nuts and bolts of it. We're having an issue with our our national programming when it comes to to ESPN right. Las Vegas. Not our local programming. That's fine. That's all good. But our national, we're having a few issues that we're working out right now. And Jared and many others are doing a lot of hard work behind the scenes. And you're talking to Jared. Jared's been at the radio station since what six this morning? Yeah, a little earlier than six. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's counting at this point, right? So uh, Jared's been putting in Yeoman's work. So that's why you weren't able to catch the, the Hall of Fame and stream it or listen to it on our sister station. And surprise takeaway from Hall of Fame weekend. Oh, man, that's a good question. Because, I mean, the party, the party was awesome, of did, course. Did they have actual snacks in the media room? Well, the media room, actually, that's probably my biggest takeaway. The media room and the lack of being open and available. It, it just there wasn't a radio row this year. I guess it's a complaint, but there wasn't a radio row like there normally is. So we didn't get to do our shows there live every day like I expected it to. Um, you know, even on Friday it was closed completely because they didn't have lack. They had lack of an employee. They didn't have the 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 power of of having uh, workers there. I mean, it's just that was that was a surprise because it's the Hall of Fame, right? You don't expect that to happen. But on a positive note, a hundred and nine Hall of Famers returned to the scene and were there 109 out of and I, I thought the number was 362 I was hearing as 342 are actually the numbers that are enshrined in the Hall of Fame either way you look at it 300 and something is not a lot of members in the Hall of Fame and 109 of them returned for Hall of Fame weekend I thought that was great I also think that Raider Nation showed out in a major way um, I was very surprised when Richard Seymour said once a Raider and then all of a sudden Raider Nation that was holding down like one side of Tom Benson Stadium said always a Raider. And all of a sudden I was like, well, there, there's Raider Nation. I belong over there. So, you know, I just walked on over there. All the uh, players, the former players, the Raider alumni uh, from people that worked in the front office to players that worked obviously on the field, the Raider Reds. I mean, just anyone that was ever a Raider pretty much felt like was there uh, over the weekend. So that was great to see. And then, of course, uh, it, it boiled down to the, the party later on that, I, that evening, and everybody was there as well. So I guess that can answer your four questions right there. Thank you for that call, my man. I do appreciate you. Let's hustle back out to the phone lines real quick, talk to our guy Charles from Kentucky. Welcome to the show. Hey, Q. How you doing, buddy? I'm blessed, hey. man. How you doing? I was just calling to uh, love your show as always. I was calling to comment on this Dominic Foxworth comment, you know, and <laughs> I, when he, I did hear him say that on ESPN the other day. But I, and I was thinking, you know, after watching the – NFL for 45 years and this new PFF thing comes out and how, how that's the Bible of the NFL. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers is associated the best quarterback in the NFL and he's got one Super Bowl and can't win a playoff game. And the reason I think that Derek doesn't have the yards that these other quarterbacks have because we have a running game. Yeah, These guys are always behind. The Chiefs were behind half the year. The, the Chargers were behind all the time. They had to throw constantly. And I, I still think Russell Wilson is not as good as Derek Carr at this point in his career. I mean, watching him play last year, it's just, it, you know, I hate calling your show and just complaining, but I get so tired of hearing so-called professionals, analysts who don't see the Raiders or what they are. And I agree with a girl the other day. I've been a Raider fan for over 45 years, and I feel like we're going to win this division, and I feel like we might win it handily. But we should have won it last year. I mean, the 
the Bears, the the Giants game that, that knocked us out, we would have had home field advantage if we beat the Bears, Giants, and the Washington football team. And yeah. I heard another analyst say that teams that barely win games one year don't get to the playoffs the next year. Well, going back to the games we barely won, we were leading all of them. And I think the lack of coaching, which I love Basaccio, but I think the lack of coaching every game, the Denver game, the Cleveland game, the Dallas game, we were dominating them games, the Charger game. We were up like nine points, weren't we, in that Charger game. Right. And we just couldn't put them away because maybe the coaching didn't have the right, you know, I, I don't know, the experience. And I think that's probably what Josh McDaniel's seen, you know. Yeah. And I just believe that this team's going to be dominant. And this is going to be, you know, a year pops. A team pops, and you, you don't ever see it coming. But I only believe there's only five Super Bowl contenders in the NFL. The Rams, and you're going to laugh at me, the Eagles, the Bills, the Raiders, and the Bengals. And the rest of them are pretenders. I think the Chiefs are going to take a huge step back this year. Anyway, I'll get off here, and I'll hear what you got to say about all that. Hey, I love it. Hey, Charles, thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate the passion. And, yeah, you know, that was Shereen Williams who joined us yesterday and said that she thought that the Chiefs were going to take a major step back, that losing Tyreek Hill was a big deal. And I, I agree with, you know, Tyreek Hill. I just give the Chiefs props because, well, they've won it so many times in a row. And so, like, like Lincoln Kennedy just told us to, you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man, right? And so uh, they've been the man. But uh, I think that the Raiders have just as good a chance to beat them, if not uh, a better chance, you know, because of all the talent that the Raiders have, they uh, they they have a, a really good chance. Now they they play in a tough division, like you mentioned, but why not? You know, I don't think that there's any team in the division that's more talented than the Raiders. I really don't. And being out at training camp every day and seeing what they're doing and the and the work that they're putting in and the way that they're building this thing up, I have very high hopes for this team. You know, last year we were talking about this team just feels different, and a lot of people laughed at us and joked at us, and even at one point it looked like okay, well I was wrong. You know, and I had no problem saying, okay, my bad. And then they turned the thing around and ended up being a playoff team. So, uh, yeah, I think that there's a great chance that the Raiders could win the division, but they got to go out there and do it. I agree that coaching is much better with Josh McDaniels. Uh, I agree that the teaching is much better with Coach McDaniels, and that's what I've been seeing. And I think you're going to see this team look a lot better and more um, like a well-oiled machine. And, again, I don't want to take too much away from a Hall of Fame game, but they look the part. They look like they knew what the hell they were doing. They didn't look like they were confused in coverages, like the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing, like the California Department of Child Support. You know, they don't know what the hell the left left hand – yeah, I know. I'm still a little upset, but whatever. Jared just looked at me like, well, where did that come from? (laughs) Yeah, that was like, uh, okay, well. (laughs) Well, if anyone who lives in California has ever paid child support, they know the right hand has no idea what the left hand is talking about. Just Uh, saying. uh, Okay, fair enough. Just going to throw that out there. (laughs) But that's what – and the Raiders have done that in times. I mean, remember when the Chiefs, when the Raiders were winning that Chiefs game at Allegiant Stadium and all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes went down the field, and this was uh, in 2020, went right down the field, and then Travis Kelsey was wide open in the end zone. And what did everyone yeah. do? They all put their heads, heads down, and then they all looked around like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? Hey, where, how come you weren't there? Nobody had any clue what the hell they were doing. It was the defensive equivalent of the Spider-Man meme. Everybody was pointing at each other going, wait, I thought it was your guy. Yeah. You got him. No, you got him. No, you got him. No guy. It was just so much confusion. It did not look like they had any confusion whatsoever, and that's because they're being coached up and they're they're making the attention to detail, and, and they're just doing that each and every day, and that's something I do believe from being out there and seeing it. You know, now that doesn't mean that you win 14 games because you're being coached the right way. You still got to go out and play the games, but at least you have a fighter's chance, especially, especially, when you're attention to detail oriented and at least you know the why 
and you're not beating yourself. That, man, I'll tell you right now, I don't give a damn what the record is for the Raiders this year. If they go out there and they play 17 games and they're not out there beating themselves like we've seen for years, that'll be a refreshing step in the right direction. It really will. Now, if they do that, they're going to win a bunch of games. That's the beauty of it. If they go out there and they just don't beat themselves, they're going to win eight games. Now, the other games, they're going to have to beat and allow the other team to lose games. Like, like we were talking to Jeff Howe yesterday, and he said, you know what, Q, uh, the, the, the Patriots, they win a handful of games, but the other games, the other teams beat themselves. That's what Josh McDaniels is going to make sure doesn't happen. They're not going to be that team that beats themselves. They're going to allow the other team to make the mistakes and beat themselves. That, to me, is refreshing. 4.44 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come back here from Jason Simmons, the secondary coach of the Silver and Black, and close out the show strong on a Tuesday. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. It's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Don't have a lot of time left in today's show. Want to get to Jason Simmons, who met with us earlier today. I will say that the Raiders just sent out their updated depth chart for uh, week two of the preseason. Really, it's week one, uh, the last game, the Hall of Fame game. They were considering that week zero. But, look, this is their second game. So the updated depth chart is out. Don't have time to go over it right now. But uh, at r and 920 a.m., I already tweeted it out. At your boy Q254, I tweeted it out as well. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into the secondary coach. We've been talking a lot about Nate Hobbs. He's going to talk about Hobbs plus other guys in the secondary. Here's Jason Simmons from earlier today. Some of the guys that you have out there at cornerback, you guys, and you know, some young guys like Amit Robinson. For him specifically, what have you seen out of him so far um, these last few days? Uh, I see a guy that's eager to learn. I see a guy that's competitive. I see a guy that's feisty, a guy that has grit. Like, those are all the intangibles that he has. You know, he, he plays with a chip on his shoulder, and you can see it every day. He's a guy that uh, I knew you weren't here in years past, but he, he kind of talked about having to kind of rekindle his confidence in himself. Have you seen him kind of get that back from, from what you're saying? You know what? I, I really haven't talked to him about prior years. You know, when I first stepped foot in the, in the meeting room, it was all about a clean slate. It was about guys going out and forming their identity this year. So anything negative that they had, you know, I, I wasn't carrying that over. I didn't want them to carry it over. Coach, would you talk about Nate Hobbs' progression? Makes another big play. Just your thoughts on how he's developing, sir? Yeah, we see Nate as a football player. You know, that's why you see Nate being moved around and utilized at, at, at multiple positions. I mean, he is also an aggressive player. He's a competitive player. Uh, he wants to do more. He wants to learn. He, I mean, he is a true sponge. What goes into a guy, you know, it's not bad and you can't just put somebody in a different position. What goes into a guy being able to know how to play multiple spots and not just be there but perform well back in those spots? I think that all starts really just uh, with – the way the head coach sees the football team, the way Pat Graham sees the football team, and us teaching football as opposed to teaching positions. You know, guys need to be able to know where all 11 guys are. In every coverage, you need to know where your help is. You need to know the strengths and the weaknesses of every coverage. So, you know, that's a challenge for me to get it across to the players, and that's a challenge for them to go ahead and understand it and learn it. When you look at the game Thursday, did you see, you know, obviously it's, it's early, it's still, you know, there's no real game plan specific type stuff, but do you see them translating what you're teaching them into the field? Yeah, the, the, the number one thing that I saw was the fact that they were competitive. Um, you would see that, that we're trying to form an identity through our habits, and, and that's competing every play, that's being physical every play, and that's communicating every play. And I really saw that. Uh, you know, this team is out here in the sun. They're working their behinds off. You can see that we're developing a callus. You know, we want to be a, a smart, tough football team. And, and I saw that. I saw the beginnings and the makings of that. 
Coach, with, uh, with such a young secondary age-wise, to bring in a veteran like Deron Harmon, what does that mean to the coaching staff? Well, it helps. It helps. I know, you know, Deron's seen a lot of football. Uh, he understands football. He understands this scene, this scheme. You know, that familiarity ha has helped, you know, because there's also coaching going on in the locker room as well. You know, it's coaching going on on the field, you know, so that's really been a big help to us. I've seen uh, several, several of your guys that have been, uh, been on the field practicing the last couple of days. Um, that obviously gives more reps to the younger guys, but uh, is there any concerns of some of the guys that aren't out there right now? Any concerns in terms they're of miss, they're missing practices right now and, and getting prepared for the season? Well, the thing about those guys, those guys are pros. You know, when, when you see a guy like Rock, you see a guy like Anthony Averett, you, you see a lot of those guys in the meeting room, they're taking reps. They're taking notes as if they're going out there. Uh, you know, Cravon LeBlanc, these are all guys that have played football. That's the one thing. The guys that are injured are veteran players. So they, they understand the importance of getting those mental reps. You have guys at your disposal like Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, that are going up against these young DBs every day. How much can you see those guys pushing your guys to become better? Oh, it's an unbelievable experience to be able to go against those guys. You know, when, when you go out on the practice field and you know there there is no time off. You know, you go against uh, Devontae Adams, that's pretty much the consensus, best receiver in the National Football League. And Hunter Renfro, one of the best slot receivers in the National Football League, you know, and let alone a guy like Darren Waller to have to go against. I mean, that's great for us. And then, then you know, Derek Carr is throwing the ball to him. You know, we couldn't ask for anything more in terms of our growth and competition from the group. What have you seen so far from uh, Isaiah Alabado? You see a guy that is that is really smart. You, you you see a guy that is a pro that that is mature beyond his years, and then you immediately what what stands out is the speed, the size, and athleticism. Under Ron, it seems like every time we ask someone about him, they talk about what a great leader he is and how he helps put in the scheme. But obviously, he, he's done a lot right as a player uh, to, to stick this long in the league too. What, what stands out about him just just on the field? Well, when I see it on the field right now, and I'm just going to stick to just this year and what he's doing for us this year, he's a ball magnet. I mean, you see the ball finds him, and, and that's the type of players that we want. Yeah, I mean, he's a ball hawk. He attacks the ball. He thinks about the ball. He talks about it in meetings, talking about how to make plays to the younger players. So that's what I see. Coach, you played safety. What are some intangibles that you look for from a safety position? We can talk about range. We can talk about taking proper angles. But specifically on the back end, what are you looking for from like a Trayvon Merrick who is really on the rise of being a Pro Bowl player? The first thing that I look for is intelligence, and I look for call command. Those are the two things. When you start talking about defense, the quarterback of the defense comes from the safety position. Being able to get guys in position, you know, the quicker that you can make the call, you are the calming and the poise behind the defense. And I was a corner before I gained weight, too, man. <laughs> Jason, what have you seen from uh, Jonathan Abram in terms of his coverage skills? I know that's been kind of a liability as he's, uh, through his career so far, but what have you seen in his growth there? Well, I think you hit it on the head. You see growth. Um, we, don't, we don't see it as a liability. We see a guy that, that needed to get better at a specific uh, you know, part of his game, and you see him working on it. You know, the one thing that, that I've seen just in terms of, of coaching, you get what you emphasize. You know, you see this guy diligent in terms of watching film, uh, into approaching his technique, and you see him getting better at it. So we're excited. Are there any surprises from your perspective of, of seeing him up close and personal after, you know, his first few years? Not knowing him personally. No. You know, the first thing you see is just the physicality of him running around and, and 100-plus tackles. 
you know, uh, what you don't see from afar is how intelligent he is. You know, so that that's been a, a really good surprise. You talked about you talked about Nate Hobbs uh, and his his development as a player. There's some one-on-one reps still at camp where he's looked like he really wanted to go against Devontae, like really wanted to challenge him. Like, kind of, what does that say about him? That that says that he wants to compete. That's the one thing about Nate that nobody can ever question is his competitive spirit. He knows that he has a chance to go against one of the best receivers in the National Football League, if not the best receiver in the National Football League, and and he welcomes that opportunity and that challenge because he knows it's only going to make him better. Because the one thing about Devontae, Devontae is a team player. Devontae is a guy who will say, hey, I saw this, and this is what I look to attack. This is how now you can combat that. So, you know, Devontae is looking to make the team better. Small school guy, Sam Webb, UDFA, he's kind of been making plays, kind of got some run against the Jaguars. What have you seen from him that has surprised you? You know, every day is getting better. Every day is getting better. You know, when he first got here, it was kind of big for him. Uh, we would all kind of expect that. But Sam knows that he belongs. His size, his athleticism, uh, his technique, and understanding of the defense is starting to catch up to that. So we're just excited about it and excited about the growth and see where he's going to go from here. There you go. That was uh, Raiders secondary coach Jason Simmons talking all things secondary. And, uh, again, you could just hear the as a matter of fact in his voice, right? And then you hear him talking about Nate Hobbs. And uh, I think it was big when he was talking about Devontae Adams as well as far as a guy that is a teacher and, you know, has no problem saying, similar to what Mike Haynes told us weeks ago, that, you know, if I see a tendency from someone, I'll tell them and, and it'll help them out as well. And Mike Haynes said, hey, if it wasn't for – you know, Cliff Branch, he wouldn't have been the great DB that, that he was. You know, Cliff Branch taught him a lot of things. Well, Devontae Adams could help teach Nate Hobbs some things as well to continue to develop him because he is already turned into a fantastic player. Thanks for all the feedback today. We definitely appreciate you, Jared. Thanks for your efforts. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Good night.